Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Clearly, I am not Nathan Pierce. Um, Nathan is actually um, out this week uh, along with the legislature, um, so I am here in his stead giving a little update. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Drew. Um, I am uh, Nathan's legislative analyst. I work for FPM finding and tracking and uh, kind of doing a lot of the, the behind-the-scenes work on, on bills along with Nathan. Um, so today for this a little bit of a briefer episode, I'm going to give a little bit of an explanation on what I do um, and what FPM does uh, on the more technical side uh, in terms of finding legislation and determining whether or not it's a problem and then following it all the way through the process to make sure that it's not a threat to homeschooling. Um, and beyond just homeschooling, uh, there's a number of issues that we focus on, you know, um, in terms of uh, individual and family freedom um, and religious liberty, um, among a plethora of other issues. Um, So to do that, to explain a little bit of how this process works and what it looks like for us at FPM, um, I'm going to go over one particular bill that we have been tracking since the day it was introduced. and it actually has a bit of a, a happy ending. Um, so uh, the bill that I am going to be discussing today is AB 659. If you've been watching the Frontline at all or listening to the Frontline at all, I'm sure you've heard Nathan talk about it. Um, it is a bill that would mandate the HPV vaccine for students entering the eighth grade. And this would apply to public and private schools. Um, So when it was introduced, it originally uh, would have created kind of an odd requirement um, saying that schools are required to tell parents, hey, this is required and you're going to have to get this within the next two years. So as originally written, the bill would require uh, schools to give parents a notification saying, hey, Uh, your kids in sixth grade now by eighth grade they need to be vaccinated for HPV Um, the way that the bill was worded again uh, was very awkward Uh, the way it was set up was that parents privately homeschooling their own children would be required to notify themselves Um, so uh, that's one of those issues that that uh, kind of comes up when there's confusion on the author's office's part about what the law concerning private schools is. Because a lot of them don't actually understand what, uh, how homeschools operate, how private schools operate, because in California, homeschools operate under the private school umbrella. So a lot of requirements are split between home-based private schools, which is a homeschool, and campus-based private school, which is something like you know a traditional private school or a PSP, which uh, files on behalf of a whole bunch of indi- individual families. Um, so this bill, uh, when it was introduced, uh, would have added HPV to the list of required vaccines, along with you know uh, diphtheria, tetanus, um, 
uh, MMR, things like that, the, the kind of routine ones that you get uh, in seventh grade in, from, from most public schools. Um, but uh, it faced immediate opposition. And um, a big part of this um, was kind of a, a combination of a lot more awareness um, on behalf of parents about uh, vaccine mandates and things like that, especially since, you know, since COVID happened and there was a lot of um, attempted mandates for, for even very young children, as young as six months for the COVID vaccine. Um, and a lot of parents were uneasy about that. Um, and also uh, HPV uh, is technically an STD. And so um, it brought up a lot of concerns for parents saying, why, why would my 12, 13, 14 year old need this? I don't think they should be required to have this. Um, and so uh, the bill had a lot of um, opposition right away. So it was introduced February 9th, 2023. It was read that day, it went to print, which means it, it starts its process. It has to wait 31 days from the day it was introduced before it can move. That's a rule in the legislature. They often overrule it, but in this case, it had to wait 31 days. But on that day, February 9th, it showed up um, on the system that I use to find bills based on certain words, based on certain authors, based on kind of a, a number of factors that that bring bills to our attention to try and sort through, I mean, the almost 3,000 that we have now this, this session. Um, and right away I saw, okay, uh, this is gonna be a problem. Um, additional mandates are always a problem. So um, uh, I immediately, brought it to Nathan and we started working on opposition points. Um, so we, we got in touch with the author's office, got fact sheets, got information on the bill, went through code sections that it relates to and fig figured out, okay, what does this initial language actually do? Is it actually a mandate or is it a recommendation or is it a suggestion? Um, and because it was added to the actual list, the actual vaccine schedule, we found, okay, this is a mandate um, and this is a problem. So we started working on opposition points. We got in touch with the author's office. Uh, we started tracking it for hearings to see, okay, can we speak in opposition to this? Can we send these, these letters in or these opposition points in to the, uh, to the committees before the hearings so that the, the committee members have some understanding of what problems people have with it. Um, and from there, since that, that day, uh, February 9th, uh, it's been heard, oof, five times, six times, uh, and it's been amended five times. Um, and so each time it would, uh, it, this bill was interesting in the fact that any time it was amended, the author was trying to solve the problem that people had with it while still getting what the sponsors of the bill want, which is more, more students taking the HPV vaccine. Um, and this one in particular, each time there was an amendment, it seemed to, cre to solve one problem and create another. Um, so we worked with the author's office on explaining how uh, private school law works to explain, hey, this bill is a requirement for parents to notify themselves. This doesn't make any sense. We want you to exempt uh, home-based private schools or even better private schools altogether, or maybe even just get rid of the requirement for everybody. Um, and so throughout that process, there was a whole bunch of back and forth. We would take two steps forward, one step back. 
Um, and uh, and the last time it was amended, it was uh, on July 3rd, uh, there, the bill had, it was almost unrecognizable. Um, it had morphed from, this is an added schedule item to the vaccine schedule, um, to, hey, this is now going to be a recommended vaccine for students, saying we're going to notify parents, saying, hey, we recommend, instead of require, that uh, your student be vaccinated. So there's still some concern over um, the actual uh, logistics of it. What do they mean by recommendation? Because we saw during COVID, there were a lot of recommendations that ended up being enforced um, as law, as a requirement. So uh, we're not quite out of the woods yet, but um, this bill is, is a really good example, in my opinion, of, of um, something that uh, we were able to work on behind the scenes, notify our um, supporters and our backers about, and explain to them, hey, this is our concern, this is the issue as it stands now, and people got in touch with committee members, people got in touch with their legislators who were on committees voting on it, people got in touch with their legislators that were just on the floor that would eventually vote on it. And all of that culminated in um, us having an opportunity to actually make headway on this bill um, and keep tracking it and um, keep whittling away at it in a way to uh, to get it to a point where we could say okay this is this is better um, and for us at you know FPM a lot of a lot of times there's there's bills that have so much support especially with a super majority in the legislature um, that we aren't even shooting for killing a bill. We're just shooting for mitigating the damage that it can do. Um, and that's, uh, there's been some very encouraging examples of that. Um, and it's in, in a lot of the, the most extraordinary cases, I think back to, um, 2018, um, with AB 2926 and 2756 with the, uh, Turpin family case, which you can look that up and see uh, FPM's work on that. Um, uh, it wasn't us alone that made that difference. It was, in that case, the hundreds of families that showed up in opposition to these bills. Um, it was, you know, the hundreds and thousands of calls that people sent in to these legislators and to their offices. And um, it was these average everyday local and even non-local families that came in and said, Hey, uh, that's not going to work for us. Um, so, uh, I, I think a good way to view it is, um, kind of as a, as an organism to itself, um, seeing, you know, FPM's work as kind of the ears, the ears to the ground saying, Hey, what's coming? Um, and uh, what could be a problem. So our job is to catch stuff early. And um, we've been very blessed to have caught a lot of these really bad bills early on. Um, but the actual work, the actual hands that can effectuate change much more quickly than we can and much more effectively uh, in large numbers than we can as just individual organization representatives our families, 
the hands and the feet that run and give us um, that, that bring this to the attention of the legislators. Um, like Nathan and I have said many times, we're only, we can only do so much um, and we do as much as we can and we're always trying to do more. Um, but when it comes to bills like this, when it comes to the other 20 or so that are on our top tier priority right now, I mean, we're tracking a couple hundred specifically, but um, our high priority list is about 20. It's typically, for, for reference, it's typically about five to seven. Um, and so this has been a really busy year, but having people involved and having people uh, really show an interest and place a high value on their family freedoms, their homeschool freedoms, their religious liberty, having those things uh, be important to people, it makes what we do possible and it makes it worth it. Um, because if we're, you know, if we're fighting these bills on behalf of people that don't know or don't care, there's not much reason for us to do it, except, oh, it's something to fill up time, um, which um, is, that's not why we do it. So um, just for a little bit of reference and a little bit of encouragement, um, I hope that you all can uh, stay involved as the hands and feet or get involved if you aren't. Um, we'll keep, keep your, our ears to the ground and uh, try and keep you updated um, as frequently as possible on <clears throat> the threats to homeschool freedom, to religious liberty, to family independence. Um, and uh, we hope that, hope that you join us. So uh, thank you for joining me on this mini episode of, of The Frontline. Um, Nathan will be back next week, I believe, and um, we'll be going over, I think, where everything else stands um, right before the legislature comes back from their break. Um, so things are slow. It's a mini break um, for the time being, but uh, they're going to come back from, from break refreshed and ready to go full steam ahead to try and get as many of these bills across the finish line. So. Please continue to pray for us. Please continue to uh, build relationship with your relationships with your legislators and with their staff members and your capital and district offices. Um, we have a lot of resources on how to do that on our website at fpmca.org. And uh, you can also learn how to do that and more just by watching through all of the uh, previous, uh, we've had a lot of episodes of the front line. I can't even remember how many at this point. So, um, all of those resources are available. Um, I hope you take advantage of them and um, hope you uh, join us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.